Okay, so should we do our transition now? Sure. So transition. Woo! I don't know. Is that our transition music? Okay, so that that was smooth, no. like butter. <laughs> not. Welcome to episode four of the third line. Tonight we have Jess, Chris, Liz, and I'm your host for the episode, Adam. So to start, like we always do, we're gonna go over a little bit of WHL news. So why don't we start with um, Jess tonight on her recap of uh, what's going on in the U.S. division? Uh, well, the U.S. division is kind of a mess, in all honesty, or at least in my opinion. The only solid team seems to sort of be Everett, although they haven't been doing as well as one was expecting. And Winterhawks, uh, Tri-City, and Spokane keep jumping each other. They can't seem to get any traction with either of them. Winterhawks keep blowing leads constantly, and Spokane's finally figured out how to win. The Thunderbirds have been doing all right. They did have a player uh, taken to the hospital last night. That that was pretty bad. He wasn't even on the ice. It was it was something that happened where a puck came out of play um, and hit him on the bench, I believe. Yeah, base of the neck. Yeah, just just below the skull. He and this was like after the game. Yeah, he he got taken away. Uh, there hasn't been any updates. We're hoping he's okay, but nobody nobody really knows just yet. So Chris, why don't you uh, jump into uh, the Victoria Royals and what's going on? Well, the Victoria Royals are finding ways to lose games, and uh, they are continue to get shelled every night. I think they're averaging probably like fifty shots against. And uh, their goalies are doing pretty good. Even Adam Evanoff, who I was a bit of a... I wasn't super high on him to start the year. I still believe Connor Martin is probably the better goalie. His rebound control, um, just his calmness in the net. He kind of, obviously not the same caliber, but he looks like Carey Price in there. Just really quick, easy movements. He's directing the puck away. And, you know, when you have 50 shots on net... If you can get that kind of calmness back there, I think the whole team benefits. They seem to play better in front of Martin. Evanov kind of struggles with some of the rebound control. I recently actually got a chance to talk to Dan Price, the head coach of the Royals, and he kind of agreed. He just said that, you know, Connor, the way he plays is the same way that he is as a person. He's just super calm, cool, collected, and uh, his game has jumped a lot since last year. So, Basically, it's a rookie team that is showing that they're a rookie team. A couple other veterans are banged up right now, too. So when you have 12 rookies and you're relying on your veteran top line and two of your veterans on that top line go down, the results are to be expected. The other thing that uh, I spoke to Dan Price about that he also agreed with was the timing of the penalties they're taking, their discipline seems to be hurting them at the worst possible moment. They'll get a goal like midway through the third period to take the lead. And then within two minutes after that goal, they take a penalty and then they let up a power play goal and all that momentum's gone. And, you know, they'll, they'll take a three, two lead, let up that three, three goal. Other teams got the momentum comes back four three, you know, gets an empty netter, makes a five, three boom game over. And it's just been kind of wash, rinse, repeat for that, for their last few games. So I'll go a little bit into uh, the Vancouver uh, Giants because they're in the same division as Victoria. So one of the bright spots for the Giants has, there's been two. One of them has been Mazden Leslie. He's their 15-year-old draft pick from uh, this past Bantam draft. He has four goals as a defenseman so far. And he just seems to be so comfortable playing in the WHL against these older players. He's using the body. He's going to the front of the net, his goals aren't from slap shots, you know, at from the blue line. His goals are from besides the net. So he's reading the plays really well. The other player that has been super impressive, uh, who I think is going to be in the conversation for the MVP at the end of the year for the league, is uh, Tristan Nielsen. Now, people will look at his points and say, yeah, he's leading the Giants. He's one of the top players in the uh, WHO by points percentage. But it's actually his play away from the puck that's super impressive. He's leading their penalty kill. He's always out there with Justin Sordiff at the start of the penalty kill. He's clearing the puck. He's creating chances. And he's becoming that perfect two-way center 
they've been playing this great defensive structure and Tristan Nielsen has been a huge part of it. And I know Elliot Friedman a couple weeks ago in his 31 thought column was writing about how Tristan Nielsen is getting some interest from the NHL. Now he can't be drafted because of his age, but a lot of teams are looking at him to potentially sign him to a contract at the end of the season. Okay, so uh, what we'll do is there's also some other WHL news or speculation that is coming out uh, today as we record. There is some talk that TSN is trying to acquire the rights to the Canadian Hockey League from Sportsnet. So I'll give some backstory to those who maybe don't know the story around this. So Sportsnet uh, or Rogers has always had the CHL rights. They've had it for years. Uh, they signed, a, uh, I believe it was a 12-year contract back in 2014, 2015 with certain rules around like how many games they would show, uh, playoff series, things like that. A couple of years ago, though, Rogers became the uh, main media sponsor of NHL hockey in Canada. So while games are still played on TSN, they're only played on a regional basis. And TSN, while they used to have like Flyers versus Pittsburgh regular season games, they no longer have that because it's only Rogers who will broadcast it. So only Sportsnet and Sportsnet affiliated channels. So the thinking behind this TSN move is that if the CHL can move over to TSN, because there's such a focus on the NHL within Rogers, that this will actually allow TSN to broadcast more CHL games, which would expand the product more. Because TSN, if they don't have the NHL, they broadcast basketball right now, they broadcast ba uh, baseball right now, and they broadcast football right now. So within the season of WHL, OHL, and QMJHL, the only competition that you really have is uh, basketball. Near the end, you might have some uh, baseball because of spring training and things like that, but the only thing that you're going against is basketball. So it's kind of an opportunity for the CHL, if they do this, to grow as a brand bigger, have a larger audience, and allow for CHL fans who have to rely on the broadcast through um, the CHL TV to actually watch it on a national scale. So does anybody have any uh, thoughts about uh, transition over to a major network for the CHL? Well, it's for me, and we had a little talk about this off air too. Um, the Royals don't seem to get any local uh, airtime. Obviously anything that could change that would be huge. Um, the local television station up here is Shaw TV. And if you have Shaw cable and you get this local Shaw channel, they used to play some Royals games because they were the direct affiliate. They, I think they had a contract or whatever, but for anyone that doesn't have Shaw TV, there was no Royals games, no nothing. Uh, could not watch anything on TV until this season when the CHL TV started streaming the games. So obviously, you know, the opportunity to be able to see games would help grow the brand a hundred percent. I think regional restrictions would apply and I, I don't see any downside to it. I tend to think that no matter what in the region that, that they're controlling, TSN would probably find something they deem more worthy than a CHL game to put on. It's kind of a pessimistic way of thinking, but just knowing TSN, uh, I've seen times where there's things worthwhile to put on and they deem it not worthy and they'll play a replay of the Briar curling championship from two years ago, instead of playing the local, um, you know, CHL game or whatever, because they think it'll be a bigger draw. So I'll be, you know, cautious, cautiously optimistic, we'll call it. And I know one thing that Sportsnet did, um, it wasn't like Sportsnet Pacific had a, a Giants or a Royals game and then Sportsnet East had a Ottawa 67s game. It was like the game of the week. So it was everybody got to see one team. Yeah. So one thing that TSN, uh, if they choose to go down this route, is it will probably be something similar. But even if it is just one, two, three games a week, it's still better than what is going on this season with the with Sportsnet where there's zero games. The exposure, but it does nothing for me or Jess. Yeah. Um, so I'm in California, so unless I pay for CHL Live or back when it was WHL Live or I guess CHL TV now, it doesn't do me any good anyway. I don't get to see games, so. One of the things just looking at um, contract-wise that could happen is that uh, ESPN owns TSN. So anything that TSN 
broadcasts, ESPN is also able to broadcast. Now, I'm not going to, I don't think Sportsnet, if I am correct, Sportsnet doesn't have the same agreement with any US channel, uh, as far as I understand. But there could be something in there where ESPN does broadcast certain CHL games. Now, it probably won't happen. But with TSN, if TSN does get the rights, it does mean that ESPN can jump in yeah. and own the rights at the same time. The other thing is, I'm in California. I'm not getting games either way. One way or another, I'm not getting... I don't, I'm lucky to get a Sharks game where I am when the Sharks are playing. So it, it doesn't... like. I'd love to see games get more exposure, but I'd also love it if it was more accessible. And just you being in Portland, uh, if if that ESPN thing does happen, then, you know, uh, I know that ESPN does uh, regional broadcasting, correct? Yeah. So there there might be some opportunities within the, the western part of Oregon and uh, Washington to uh, partner in that type of way. I would love to see that as somebody who is in Portland. Um, we have five WHL teams around us. And the only time that we ever see a game on TV is on the CW network when Portland is playing Seattle or Seattle's playing Portland. That's it. We don't see, we don't see the Winterhawks playing any of the other teams. It's just the I-5 rivalry that they care about. And it's, it's frustrating to not be able to I see I know a couple games. of the Pacific Northwest teams in the, or I guess the U.S. division teams, um, have those with SWX. So they're broadcasting their local games on television. I think Spokane has it. I believe Tri-City also has it. So, I mean, I, I guess they're getting some of their local home games, but that's about it. Yeah, and but you have to be local. Like, I tried to get... Um, when I was watching a Spokane Tri-Cities game and I was having issues with the the picture and the sound, I tried to pull up the SWX thread and it told me that I was out of network so I couldn't watch it. See, and this is like, you know, I don't want to be a pessimist, but I'll be a realist. And, you know, ESPN, obviously where Liz is, there's not a chance in hell that ESPN is going to play a WHL game in California. So that's, no. that's a non-issue there. Um, you know, Canada is where hockey is king. And if it's been a struggle to get uh, okay. CHL games, I mean, I don't know what, what it's like in Toronto for some of the OH, or maybe not Toronto, Ontario for the OHL games. Um, but I know out here, it unless it's a local TV station, it's pretty rare to see um, any WHL games. So the idea that a national network like TSN is going to suddenly start carrying CHL or WHL games... I I'll believe it when I see it. The, they had to purchase this contract for a reason. So maybe their goal is to do it more and to build that brand. And uh, I, I'm all for it. And uh, I would absolutely embrace it. But I don't know. It's it's tricky to uh, see the future, but there has to be a reason why they signed this contract. Okay, so we have a guest this week on the podcast in he can take this time to introduce himself. So, hi, my name is Ruben Fishkin, and I am the founder of Arctic. And basically what I do is I work one-on-one -on -one with each individual athlete, and we work on a logo or really anything and create a branding scheme around their image and likeliness and then use that where they could be able to profit off it. When did you start all of this? So, it's actually almost been a year. I started July last year, and I'll tell you, like, how it kind of got off the ground, basically. I had a job lined up for the summer. So like, this is like pre-summer, like one month before the summer, basically. And then the job got canceled because of COVID, obviously. Things changed. People had to like kind of acclimate to the new, 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 if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I, I told myself, I'm like, you got to figure out what to do. And I've always been interested in graphic design and sports, especially. So I'm like, hey, let me let me try give this a go and let's see how it goes. So then I reached out to a few players on Instagram and they loved it. And I'm like, hey, I'm sure a lot of other athletes would like this as well. So then I really kind of like one by one. It's one from like one to like to three to five to like 20. And then, yeah, it just went on. That's mm -hmm. pretty impressive, honestly. You just... You're just like 
messaged random athletes or did you have somebody that you in no, mind for it originally i messaged them originally but then like later kind of it's funny because it's like ironic how like i started messaging messaging them and then later as i got bigger and bigger they started messaging me that's what you're always looking for <laughs> yeah. that's when you know you've kind of like hit like not the peak but like you've hit a point where it's like, hey, you're this legitimate that like they're reaching out to you. They're coming to you. They know who you are and it feels pretty cool. At your age, that's awesome, man. Like good for you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Just for our listeners, because I know our Twitter following probably, they might not know who you are. How like old are you? Oh, I'm 17. You're 17? Yeah. Yeah. That just makes it all the more impressive because we're all above that like 23, 24 threshold <laughs> and we're, I'm sitting here in awe of what you're doing. So it's crazy. I really appreciate it. Do you remember who the first person you worked with was? I do. Jack Becker from the Minnesota Wolverines. Nice. Just transferred ASCA recently. So wishing him luck in the desert. So of all the people that you've worked with so far, is there like one person that stands out as one of your most memorable experiences or one of your favorites? Yeah. Um, so either I have a few. So like Jeff Petrie is a big one. Nice. He reached out actually. And he's like, hey, I'm looking for a logo. He said he's like not artistic at all. So he showed me what he was working with. And I'm like, we for sure can do something. So it's just working like he's basically on that level he's a first line he's playing in the first line of montreal canadians it can't get better than that so no that's that's amazing yeah he's lining with shea weber and like every night so so yeah we were like it's crazy because like i'm like good luck on this game and then he's like thanks and it's really like that this like business has brought me like like i would never think i'd be talking to jeff petrie before may see him at a game or something and like now like he knows who i am he knows like kind of like through this I've kind of legitimized myself into this person who like these guys can go to and like come back like I love when people when my clients come back to me like a month later say they have a project they need or like they want to design some like goalie pads or yeah anything like that because it really shows that like you're kind of building this connection with them and that's one thing I value the most is the connection and through this business that like I would say the number one thing that is like if I had to have a foundation it would be connections 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 because if you build those connections people are going to come back to you yeah absolutely and I mean you just said it yourself there I mean this whole industry you know even with podcasting we're, we're finding that a lot too getting getting connections and getting people to help you out and and you know give you that bump to the next level is always huge um so you're mentioning there, I, I had to jump on it because I'm a goalie myself. So you awesome. are going to, you're going to branch out into maybe designing some gear too. I actually have done already a few gear. Nice. The BCHL. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew Caron's helmet. Nice. nice. I can, I can appreciate a nice goalie helmet for sure. Stay, stay tuned for his college gear coming next year. It's pretty sweet. sweet. Where's he going to college? Brown. That's awesome, man. Yeah, we're doing something with like the Ivy, so can't say everything, but you'll, you'll... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little teaser. Little teaser. So, when you're building a brand for these younger athletes, what's some of the advice that you can uh, give them in order to uh, capitalize on uh, their brand potential? I would say that like you really need to figure out what you stand for, and like even though like it could be, don't try to be controversial, but like don't like just fall in the fray with the rest of the guys figure out what you stand for and kind of build a voice for yourself and what I've seen with the athletes I've worked with the athletes that already have a voice their success on their shops and like their brands just do 10 times better because people they already have a niche and then people from that niche are buying stuff or going to their page and seeing their designs for but for an athlete that really is like kind of the average junior athlete like 18 years old playing in one of the major junior leagues and like he wants his own brand but he's having a hard time identifying himself I really think you just have to figure out your core values and and just go from there yeah that's that's awesome um 
I noticed scrolling through your page, you've actually worked with a fair amount of female hockey players as well. Um, is that, is that something like, is that a big market for you? Cause I know that they're probably trying to build their brand a lot right now as well. For sure. Especially. So it's a little difficult with the college athletes, but I worked with my fair share of uh, Olympians like Brianna Decker, Rebecca Johnston, Maddie Rooney, and those people, like I was saying before, they, they've kind of developed a voice for themselves already. So that brand that we're building, it's kind of already built. Like they've already kind of showed what they stand for and been like being active on that stance that like their women's hockey is like very small right now or it's not very small it's growing every every year but yeah so it's a pleasure to work with them and they're really nice by the way yeah and you know anything you can do to help them amplify like you said they've already got their their voice out there and they're in the middle of they're, they're growing pretty quick so i think it's pretty awesome that you're helping to amplify their their message so um, I also scrolling through your uh, Instagram, I noticed that you worked with not just hockey players, but a couple of football players here and there is, do you work with other sports or is it mostly just hockey? It started as hockey and it's been continuing in the hockey world. Like in the hockey world, um, it's much bigger versus football and lacrosse. So in the beginning, I used to do a bit of lacrosse, but that's kind of like died down. But I'm always open to working with new athletes, and it's always exciting to work with a new sport. But it's really like the hockey niche. And even though like I've kind of developed that mold around myself, like at the same time, I'm not trying to do that mold, but it's I've kind of been inserted into that mold. So I'm kind of trying to figure out what like – do I stay in the hockey world? Do I not? But right now, I think I'm solidified in the hockey world, and it's not a bad thing. What's the ultimate goal when creating a personal brand? Like, not just for you, but like, where's the benefit, and what exactly does creating a personal brand mean to an athlete? They want as much money as possible. <laughs> Fair enough. Can't, can't fault them for that. especially when you're working a lot with the college players and you know a lot of the the major junior players and college players that aren't getting paid to do what they do you know getting that brand off the the ground and running I think is great and anything they can do to bring in some extra income at the beginning you know a lot of these players they want to help you know support family members and stuff like that and if they end up making the show they'll be able to do that but until they get to that level it's it's a grind i bet to to do all those years and everything without getting any um any payment or any sort of uh compensation yeah for sure especially that's why i like working with a lot of major junior guys because it's much different than what we have here in america basically with the collegiate world now there's really different rules so none of the guys in college can actually have a shop or benefit off their name until next year so next year they're changing the rule and it's kind of a big that's that's a huge thing for me because then that means all my college people are able to like make money off their name but what the i've been doing with a lot of major junior guys from especially the whl everett um portland and then what was the last one saskatoon yeah those are the three main teams i've been working with I've definitely been following your work with all the Portland guys. Um, that's actually how I found out about you. I think I think it was about mid last year is when I first started seeing you pop up everywhere. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's see what this is about. And then you worked with a few more players. And I was like, okay, let's let's have some chats about this. Um, sure. Definitely needed to get you on the pod. <laughs> uh, very simple question. If I'm an uh, athlete or if I'm somebody who wants to create a brand, What's the first step that I do to uh, get in touch with you? So the first step is there's actually a form on my website where you basically just fill out what you're kind of looking for. So I could better understand a, where you're coming from B yeah. B what you're looking for. Cause some people are looking for a logo is a logo, but like I do much more. I do websites. I do 
I make do stick ramps, I custom sticks, custom skates, um, custom goalie pads. Basically, it's a whole wide variety of stuff. So they'll let me know what they want, and then from there we'll hop on a quick phone call and just bounce ideas around. And then yeah, once once we finish the logo, it goes from there. And there's so much we could do with that logo. It could go on their sticks for the season. It could. They could put on their skates. They could wear a T-shirt to the game, wear a mask that has their logo. Kind of like there's a lot, and which is what they love because it's their logo. So it's kind of them. And who doesn't like wearing stuff that's basically your brand? And you like an example that comes to mind for me is a, is a guy like Austin Matthews in Toronto. He's He's got his brand going and he's very, he's into the fashion and all that. And you know, I think recently he actually wore a pair of custom skates. Uh, it had something to do with, I believe, a children's charity in Toronto. But I'm start, yeah, I'm starting to see that there's some more uh, variety coming out in in skates. I mean, for you know, since the dawn of time, basically since hockey started, it's just you're wearing CCM skates, yep. you're wearing Bauer skates. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think it's super cool that there's you know some custom aspect, and now you're getting players coming out wearing their own custom skates. To me, it kind of reminds me of like some of the basketball players that have their own shoe. Yeah. You know, now kids can go out and buy like the Austin Matthews skate. Yeah, uh, that would be a goal for Bauer, I think. But yeah. right now, I feel like that's just for him. Did you see the Willie O'Ree skates? Yeah, exactly. A great example. Like, you know, maybe the one-offs, like if, if you're doing uh, something for the children's charity or, you know, if you're doing Black History Month and you want to do a tribute like that, I can understand how that might be a one-off. But, you know, you get those brands building and, you know, you get a you get a Arctic uh, logo done up with your own brand. And next thing you know, you're rocking these sweet skates. That could be something that down the road becomes a production item and, you know, some five-year-old kids going to uh, his Timbits hockey practice wearing a, an Arctic custom skate. It's pretty sweet. That's the goal. <laughs> and I know one, I know one uh, big part about this, you talked about how you're starting to move into the world of football. We, uh, every year in the NFL, they have like players can wear different uh, NFL uh, sneakers. Yes, they have the customized cleats. The players will wear them before the game and then auction them off afterwards to grow their brand. So I know, especially in football, the personal brand is uh, amplified even more. But yeah, the uh, as well as in hockey. But in football, we're also seeing this uh, customized cleats uh, situation more and more. That's the one thing I forgot to mention about the hockey world, kind of. Like another reason why I'm in it is because I feel like hockey out of all the four sports there's less of a voice and the players are less able to express themselves in different ways like we before so i'm trying to change that slowly but i think i'm going at some point but it's just a matter of when not how i think yeah it's more about giving these players who never really had a voice a voice yeah and it's, it's a huge untapped market, like you said. I mean, sure. the players, a lot of teams have sort of a dress code, so they come to the rink and they have to look a certain way. So it's not like basketball or whatever, where you see them come to the rink and they've got that freedom to express themselves. So if you are able to give them a brand for on ice, then they can mm-hmm. express themselves on ice. Mm-hmm. I think it's getting a little better, slightly. Um, but I mean, because I know, was it the World Juniors Canada? had special skates that you know had the flag or whatever on it um and i think those those were sweet those were awesome and i think curtis gabriel of the san jose sharks actually has skates that have the pride flag on them so i actually saw those yeah be cool yeah so it's 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 getting there (laughs) yeah starting to we're about we're right there basically the new power skates once they come out I think there's this is like what they've been doing with all these players basically is kind of a build up. So I think a bigger thing that's going to be on the horizon soon. So I think I just wait and then. And I think you're doing it really smart too. You're starting with the major junior, the WHL. Once those NCAA rules kind of relax a little bit, getting those college players, that's the time to get their brand going because then, you know, 
all the people that are fans of theirs and then they get drafted and all that, they follow them up. Once that brand is established and they make the show, then all of a sudden, you know, then they can actually have that platform to get it out there. And uh, I think you're definitely getting it on the ground level and you've got a huge untapped market. So there's definitely a ton of potential there. But that's what I feel like right now, a lot of the college guys are signing their pro contracts and the ones who are good enough are kind of leaving NCAA their sophomore year. So it's kind of abrupt, but they're ready to take that next step. So those are the people that now are able to build their brand and kind of like just grow on the ice and off the ice because they're out of that system and they're able to express themselves in any way. So I was actually going to ask you that, you know, scanning through your Instagram, which, you know, we'll give you a plug here for anyone that's listening and is, is interested. It's at Arctic, A-R-K-T-Y-C. Uh, a lot of cool stuff up there. So basically I was curious about that when I was scanning through. So every athlete and every logo that you have on there is an athlete that you have actually worked with. It wasn't just like a concept that you said, Hey, I'll design this random logo. No, I worked with all of them. That's awesome. One that stuck out for me uh, is got to be um, Alex Newhook. Being a Victoria guy myself, he played for the Victoria Grizzlies in the BCHL, and he got drafted to my second team, the Avalanche. So obviously a big Newhook fan over here. That logo was sweet, man. It's just simple. It's clean. And uh, yeah. I actually I, I, logo, sent him over one. When I was yeah. Boss. I, I had to make a comment there. I was, I had to tag the avalanche. I was like, Hey, just so you know, this would look sweet in avalanche colors. <laughs> I love that comment. Yeah. yeah new, They're new new colors. Great colors this year. The blue helmets, blue gloves. Oh yeah. That, that logo would be sweet with that color scheme. New hook is a perfect example. Like uh, mentioning earlier, like he's a player in college. The avalanche fans know that they're going to get him. They might want to get his gear before he even gets to the avalanche but you can't sell anything because he's in college. So, well, you know, NCAA, like uh, Ruben was saying there, they're going to start to relax their rules a little bit. So it's getting in now, I think is huge and getting that brand going. And uh, yeah. Sorry for jumping in, but no, I was saying that like, I'm trying to develop those. Like, let's say I 100 people right now in the NCAA programs. If I keep up, keep that, relationship up with each and every one of them and just wait it out then i'm gonna have a hundred potential shops and a hundred potential and other streams of profit basically you don't apparently have shops set up for the ncaa no okay i just wanted i was gonna go back to that at some point but i was like how is that working really it's confusing it's very hard yeah ncaa is really strict with their athletes making money yeah, I just wanted to check because I know for a lot of the, for all of the other guys, you have shops set up and. Those are the major junior guys. Finish. We were thinking of finishing things off a little lighter and uh, we we're going to give you a couple quick fire questions. Sounds good. All right. Going to make you think quick on your feet here. Perfect. Okay. They're pretty simple questions, but you know. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's start with your favorite food. Sushi. Sushi, nice. Uh, favorite TV show? Big Bang Theory or Curb Your Enthusiasm. Both great shows. Nice, I like it. I yeah. love Big Bang. Yeah. Um, favorite movie? Favorite movie? Um, what was... I just watched a great movie. What was it called? Shoot. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. It is. It's like, what... What a, what is my favorite movie? Well, let's swing back to that one. Let's let's come back to that. One. All right, I like that. Okay, these these next couple are a little easier. Uh, favorite NHL team? Blackhawks. All right, all right. Uh, what about your favorite player? Jonathan Taze. Oh, nice. Yeah, solid. So we got inspired by a, a Twitter. Uh, thing today where some guy was talking about your hottest food take that the your take where it really gets people fired up what's your hottest food take what do you mean by hottest food take basically your opinion about something food related that like everyone else is like dude you're messed up like oh you're gonna you're gonna flip (laughs) i take my pizza and i eat as a sandwich your pizza yeah well you're in new york right so you fold it in half right yeah 
That's pretty standard, I think, for New Yorkers. Oh, no, no, not fold it in half that way. Fold it in half like the, the other way. The short way? Short way. Oh, nice, nice. I don't think I've ever seen anybody eat that way. So exactly. you turn it into a hog tog bun, basically. Yeah. Or so I think if you're folding paper, that would be considered hamburger. Yeah, it's yeah. hamburger style. Right. Closer to hamburger. Ketchup on pizza. Ooh, oh, that's a that's a hot food take right there. What? Ketchup <laughs> on pizza. Yeah, well, it's that's... already got tomato sauce. I mean, yeah, that's to... what people say. That's the art. <laughs> yeah, but it's, I, it's I... different, like texture. You know? Yeah, like, ketchup's ketchup. My my buddy's wife actually uh, gave me a pretty good one. She when she eats cupcakes, she breaks off the top part with the icing and then turns it upside down and puts it on the and turns it into so a that... sandwich. I so like... it's a sandwich. I yeah, cupcakes. I'm gonna say is I know people that take the Oreos and take off the cream and then put the. The rest back. Wow. Yeah. No, normally the cream's the best part. It is. No, they, they take the cream and then they like scrape it off with the spoon and they just eat the cream and they don't eat Oh, it. okay. <laughs> now that, that makes sense. That makes sense. No, I, I disagree on that one, but that's okay. You don't like sweets. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. All right. Did you come up with an answer for your favorite movie? Yeah. Shawshank Redemption for sure. Solid choice. Yes. Solid choice. Okay. And uh, one last one we had here: uh, favorite band or just music genre in general? I'm a big like alternative guy, so like AJR, um, stuff like that. Really nice. like the bass, yeah, all that gets you going. Um, do you want to tell listeners like where they can find you? Uh, yeah, your so you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter at Arctic A R K T Y C. And yeah, that's where I am on social. So guys, go check me out. Let's build this following a little more, especially on Twitter. For I sure. saw that Twitter. and I was like, oh no, that's got to go up. Twitter Twitter's a new thing. So we're testing that out. And your website well, is arctic.com, correct? Arctic.com. Well, you know, all four of us cover a WHL team. So you know what? If, if I hear any players say they want to start building the brand, I know where I'm directing them. Perfect. I actually don't have any players from your team. We got to get, we got to change that. Perfect. Well, you know what? I will, uh, I'll put the feelers out for you. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Um, I was thinking about your, uh, the name of your company. Where did you come up with that name? It's an interesting spelling, but yeah. not, I mean, it's a normal name, but it's not, yeah. the spelling is a little different. It's like the Arctic basically, but like, it's actually pretty random, but like, <laughs> you see how it's like the A, the icicles. Mm-hmm. so i was thinking of like i don't know one day when i was thinking of like a brand name i started thinking about the like arctic and i'm like it's a pretty cool place to go so then i'm like and it also sounds like a cool company name and then but i couldn't use arctic because it was taken already yeah i think it's like a hiking company or something yeah. <laughs> but like my goal is to be the number one arctic like I'm not going to change my spelling because people are just going to know me by this. Okay, well, thanks to uh, Ruben Fishkin of Arctic. Uh, once again, we'll throw a little props out here. Arctic at A-R-K-T-Y-C on Instagram. Uh, go check his stuff out. And uh, yeah, it's been great talking to you, man. And thank you for being the first guest on the uh, Third Line podcast. No problem. Thanks for joining us, Ruben. No problem. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So thank you very much to uh, Ruben, a.k.a. Arctic, for uh, joining us on the podcast. Uh, if you want to check him out once again, you can follow him on Instagram or Twitter at Arctic. So A-R-K-T-Y-C. His uh, address on the web is www.arctic.com. And he does provide some pretty cool designs, just looking at it from WHL to NHL to even football and lacrosse. You should definitely go check him out. So thank you once again for uh, joining us on the pod. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us after the interview. We're going to uh, switch gears a little bit into the NHL. Um, the NHL trade deadline was a couple days ago, so we're going to go into some of our favorite trades that we saw go down over the past few days. So why don't we start with uh, Chris? Um, to me, it's a pretty underrated one, but uh, I really like it. It cost them an arm and a leg, so I'm not going to say that it was maybe the smartest move, but I think it'll pay off the best as uh, 
Nick Foligno going to Toronto. Um, to have a guy of Nick Foligno's caliber um, sitting on your third line, I just think that he is the type of player that's going to thrive in the playoffs. And I've said for years, NHL playoffs, when the rules change, the whistles go away, the first line gets shut down no matter what. I mean, they pop in a goal here or there, but that first line is going to get held and hooked and interfered with, and the referees aren't going to call anything. You see it every year. The superstars kind of go quiet in the playoffs. Um, it's second and third lines that win you playoff series. And to have guys like Nick Foligno and um, John Tavares and guys like that on your second and third lines, I just think it was a great move by Toronto. And he is that defensive forward that's going to help you keep goals out of your own net, finish checks. And when playoff hockey starts, I would love to have Nick Foligno on my team. Hey, Jess, why don't you uh, go with your favorite here? All right, my favorite <clears throat> for any Kaniacs listening is probably going to come as a surprise. Um, I'm very happy to have the Canes trade Hayden Flurry to Anaheim. Um, as far as players go, Hayden Flurry is a great player. But when you have a team like the, the Canes who are as deep in the defense department as they are a guy like Hayden Fleury tends to get lost in the shuffle he's you know third line at best he's 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 not a strong defenseman when you've got the guys that they have like Pesci and Hamilton he just kind of is there not making any splash but going to a team like Anaheim, who doesn't really have a strong defense, I think he's going to do really well. And I've been saying it for a while because, because he does have the potential to be a good defenseman. But he, like I said, he's getting lost in the shuffle of all of the other really good defensemen that the Canes have. So sending him to a team where he can actually get the play time on the ice and, you know, be able to contribute to the team. I think it's going to be really good for him. And then with the guy that the Canes got, and I have not heard his name pronounced, so I cannot pronounce it and I'm not even going to try. He is their right shot defenseman, which they have been searching for to pair with Bean, I believe it is, because uh, Flurry and Bean were both left shots. And then he's also huge. He's like 6'5", 208 pounds, and he adds a little bit more grit, which is where the Canes historically have kind of fallen short. So I think it's going to be a, it's a good balance that Anaheim and Carolina came to with that trade. Yeah, the, the player that they did send over is extremely good i can tell you that uh i can't pronounce <laughs> his name either but he, he is he is Yanni a very hockenpah yeah yes i'm not exactly sure if that's how you pronounce it but yes he is a very very good player um just because we can't pronounce his name does not mean he's not a good player but yeah he, yeah but he is he is a pretty decent uh prospect um, who should play some in, uh, some important minutes for Carolina down, maybe not this year, but yeah. in the future. So uh, for my trade, I'm going to go with the Jeff Carter deal. So Jeff Carter got sent from LA to Pittsburgh for a conditional, uh, two conditional picks. Now Carter does have one um, a year on his or one additional year on his contract. So Pittsburgh will have him this year and next year. So Carter for a conditional third round pick in 2022 and a conditional 2023 fourth round pick. I know LA also does re maintain some salary. What why I like this deal is very simple. It allows Pittsburgh to rely less on Malkin and Crosby uh, down the middle. Carter's going to play center uh, as of right now, and that might also be because Malkin is injured. But on a power play that you already have, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel, and Chris Letang, now you add that additional scoring threat in Jeff Carter, it, it's going to make him one of the best power plays in, in the NHL when it comes to the playoffs. 
Also, it's not like a, it's not a rental. You're gaining a player who is going to be around next year. He has experience playing with Sidney Crosby at the World Champion or at the Olympics. Sorry, this this is a guy who knows how to win. He has multiple Stanley Cups. He has the AHL Championship. He has World Juniors. He's got the Olympic gold. I just see it as a complete win by Pittsburgh, and that it's one of those low risk, high reward trades. He didn't give up much to get him in the draft picks, and he could potentially be one of the key members in Pittsburgh's run to win, I think it would be Crosby and Malkin's fourth cup. So it really is, um, it was a great move by Ron Hextel and Brian Burke are now in charge in Pittsburgh, so kudos to them for uh, thinking outside the box and getting somebody that nobody even talked about before the trade deadline. Do you have any thoughts on the uh, trade deadline? Nick Simone going to San- to Vegas from San Jose. He's been playing with the Barracuda. Uh, I like him as a player. I don't think he's going to do too much unless there's injuries throughout the lineup. He's going to be a depth defenseman, but I look forward to watching him with the Silver Knights. So We'll transition out of this uh, trade deadline talk to some uh, breaking news that we got while we're recording, and that is that Elliot Friedman has reported that the Vancouver Canucks uh, have spoken with the NHLPA about this COVID situation and that there's going to be more news to come from this. Now, for backstory, we've talked about this in the last two episodes, at least, that the Vancouver Canucks, basically their entire team, got COVID. The NHL is forcing them to come back into and play the remainder of their games. So they're going to play about, I think it's 19 games in about 30 days, somewhere around there, which will absolutely diminish them physically. Uh, There will be extreme uh, mental toll on them. A lot of these players can't even walk. uh, It's been reported that these players were on IVs. Some of them can't walk up the stairs without uh, losing breath, which is something that athletes shouldn't be doing, uh, especially if you're skating, because that involves a lot of cardio. And this comes on the heel of JT Miller just absolutely ripping the NHL a new one in his press conference today by saying that uh, he doesn't think that the team is going to be competitive and uh, basically throwing the NHL under the bus uh, by saying that they shouldn't be playing these games. So why don't we uh, start with uh, Jess on your initial reaction to this uh, news that's ever-changing? Well, um, I think that the NHL really needs to have a better way of assessing all of this because JT Miller's right. You know, when it comes down to it, the health and safety of the players and their families are more important than finishing games, playoffs, winning a cup. Simple as that. Um, And if these boys that are going out there on the ice and they're playing these games aren't physically ready to be doing that to themselves, they shouldn't be. Simple as that. Uh, Liz, do you want to jump in? More or less just in complete agreement. Um, if they're not feeling ready, if they're not prepared, like they're not having any time to get back into shape. They've been down. They're not getting really any time to get back on their feet after all. If they're not feeling ready, then why make them do this? Like Exactly. I mean, to to throw them out on the ice for one skate, as a practice, and then expect them to play, what, five games in seven days after they've come off of a an illness that riddles the, you know, respiratory system is insane it, for anyone, let alone, you know, these professional athletes who need to be at the top of their game. And I'll throw out some of the players that have kind of spoken after getting uh, COVID. So in, if we're looking in the NHL, Rasmus Ristolainen was, uh, when he had COVID, after he uh, got back into the NHL, he was talking about how there were some days that he woke up and he or went to sleep and thought that he wouldn't wake up again. You have in basketball, you have Carl Anthony Towns, who uh, he lost multiple family members from it. You also have Jason Tatum, who's this... A young star for the Boston Celtics who now says that he has to have an inhaler before games because he had COVID. 
Um, I know the NFL or sorry, NBA is looking at uh, if they're going to even con- uh, finish the season because they've had way too many players that have gone down with injury because it, this uh, schedule is too compressed and the players just aren't the same after they've come back from uh, COVID. Yeah, I mean, and we're still dealing with that a lot in another in other areas. You, you've got uh, the goalie from the Capitals, Samsonov, had talked about the difficulties that he went through with COVID and his breathing issues. He was out for, I think, six weeks or so. Uh, Tavo Taravainen from the Carolina Hurricanes, who before this season hadn't missed a single game being when since being on the Canes, he's been out most of the season. I think he's played maybe three, four games tops. Um, and he's still experiencing issues from COVID. So, you know, this isn't something to be taken lightly and to just be like, okay, now you guys can, you know, you're, you're testing negative now, get back out on the ice. It's not how this works. And these guys, they need to be given the option and they also need to like really assess this. I understand that, you know, before these players come back onto the ice, they're giving, they're given a, um, a heart test, cardiac test, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're ready to go back. Out well, on and it's ice. more than just, you know, cardio and the heart. I mean, obviously, you know, one of the symptoms has been an enlarged heart. So you want to make sure that the heart is strong and that that's not going to come back to bite you later. But I mean, you look, apparently one of the hardest hit on the Canucks is Quinn Hughes. So one of the things that I heard was he has lost a bunch of weight. So you get a player who was already small and Quinn Hughes has lost, uh, I believe it was in the realm of 10, at least 10 pounds. I think I heard that he's lost. So if you're talking 10 to 15 pounds off a guy who is already borderline too light, he's going to start getting hurt. Like someone's going to come into the corner to go for the puck. He's not going to have the strength that he used to. He's going to end up getting a major injury. And not only that, you're taking away the only way the Canucks have to not get completely shelled are some of their stars. And these guys are some of the hardest hit. So you're going to put this team back on the ice. It's all about the almighty dollar and the ratings and all that what kind of ratings are you going to get if the Canucks are losing 9-1 every game for the rest of the year? And you're 19 games in 31 days. That is completely, that's completely asinine to try and think that any team healthy, take COVID out of the equation. Say this is four years ago, no COVID, no nothing. Make a team play 19 games in 31 days you're talking playoff grind hockey and this is pre-playoffs. So it's just. Yeah. That's like, it's insane. That's even worse. Than it, exactly. Hockey. Right. And for a season that literally means nothing to the Canucks. Now there's no chance of playoffs. You know, I would just say the smartest thing would just be to let them call the year. They finish with their points percentage. And that's where the standings are, should go off of for every team this year. Let's not even call points. Let's just go point percentage. And if there's teams that have outbreaks to, to, to end the year, call a few games off. Points percentage is where the standings end. And then come playoffs, quote unquote, if you're still going to c- carry on and do playoffs, then the seeding is based off your points percentage. And just leave it at that. It's, I, I give JT Miller all the props in the world. He finally stood up and said something, and apparently it got some attention. I really hope that the Players Association goes to bat because before this came out, everyone was asking online, what is it that the Players Association does? There's an entire association dedicated to protecting the players that are a part of it. You know, it, it's, it's a union. If your union did not go to bat for you in a situation like this, you would say, why do we have a union? What is the point of this? So one other um, perspective on this is, uh, that the players are just going to be dead tired. And you know who they're playing? They're playing McDavid and Dreisaitl the first night, and then they're playing the Toronto Maple Leafs the second night. So one of these, uh, one other issue that was pointed out earlier in the day was, so the Canucks, if they, may, if they force them to play, they're going to be dragging behind because a lot of them haven't skated in two, three weeks. Uh, they're not physically up to the challenge, a lot of them. 
So that could actually lead to injuries on the Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Because I don't know if anybody else, when they're tired and they're playing sports, you kind of drag behind. What happens when you drag behind? You start taking high-sticking penalties. You start taking hooking penalties. You start taking tripping penalties. So what is going to happen if one of the if Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl gets an injury because the Canucks are just are going to do everything that they can to slow them down, but they don't have the energy, and then they're out for the playoffs. Or worse, somebody brought up, what happens if one of these Canuck players goes on the ice and passes out, and then their career is done? Like, it just, there's no benefit besides the fact that you've played the game and that you've fulfilled the TV contract. Like, in any other in any other workplace, if you're not feeling or well, or if there's a if there's a danger to your safety, it's stopped. Uh, I know in BC we have work workplace BC, uh, WorkSafe BC, who will step in and look at any potential dangerous situation, health wise or physically wise, and if they need to, they'll shut it down. So where is this kind of accountability that you want your players to? succeed in any type of, in any situation. Yol Armiev of um, Montreal, he got sick on the 20th. He's only playing his first game today. He said that he was only sick for four or five days. Then why is he playing his, his first game today? Like, you can't send them out two, three days after they were cleared of COVID. And to that point, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, I got two quick points here. One, to piggyback off of that, it's, there's, so much unknown with COVID right now. And sure, they test negative. So they test negative and within a couple of days, you're gonna be like, cool, go back out there. There's also such thing as false negatives. So someone could still be contagious. You have no clue. And you're like, oh, one negative test, awesome. Put your skates on. Well, now what happens if like you said, one of these 22 players or whatever goes out on the ice is actually a false negative and now COVID starts running rampant through the Oilers and through the uh, Maple Leafs. So is that worth the risk? And there's only been a couple teams that have had this level of outbreak. Um, I know the Stars started off the year. They missed the first couple weeks. Um, I know Carolina had a bit of one as well. But it's just, and the Devils also had it. They went through their entire locker room and their coaching staff. And you can see what it does. And you know, some of those outbreaks at the beginning of the year were easier to fill those games in with the rest of the schedule. But now if the NHL is unwilling to move their schedule for the playoffs and force this one team to compress all these games into a shorter window, it just, it seems ridiculous at this stage of the season when, especially for a team that it doesn't matter, you know, if the Canucks were in the hunt, who knows, maybe it's a little bit of a different story, but not only that, I'll, I'll, I'll step back uh, to another point. And um, it, so right now my work is shut down because of COVID. Uh, I work for the Department of National Defense in Canada and we service the Navy ships. There was a big outbreak on the base. So now we got told to go home for a couple of weeks to help keep it under control. So if they're willing to, you know, we are crucial for maintaining the naval fleet which defends a country and they're willing to tell us okay you know what let's play it safe so why is a sports team not held to that same level because money exists yeah well fair enough money talks and i'm gonna be honest like my dad and i are gonna watch the game on friday if it happens but that might be the last canuck game i watch especially if you know, it goes as many people are expecting, which is that it's just going to be a wipeout and that the Canucks is just not even going to be watchable. Like if there's no benefit to watching the games at this point, like I don't want to see, you know, uh, Quinn Hughes lying on the ice because he can't breathe or. Okay, that'll make me cry. Exactly. Like what how ha- like they're also not taking into perspective like that this could emotionally scar some of the fans as well. Like if you see one of your favorite players who just passes out on the ice, that's going to be emotionally detrimental to a lot of kids out there, especially because a lot of these players are their heroes. Like we saw it. Um, Jay Bowmeister goes down on the bench. Uh, la- what was it last year? 
like if you're in that arena and you see a player go down on the bench and have a cardiac arrest and then get carried off and they tell you the game's over like just a ima- like that is traumatic for a lot of fans so what what's going to be the result if that happens to one of these players because they just can't they don't have the lung capacity to play they just can't skate they can't uh hit if they get hit maybe something happens because they're not they don't have the strength to defend themselves so it's just it's just bad on top of bad on top of bad yeah it's it's and i understand that what we're dealing with is rather unprecedented i mean when it comes to you know the outbreaks and things like that it's not something that sports teams have really had to address in the past you know and they have never really had to stop and worry about like an entire team being taken out by just one illness so i know that the nhl is kind of fumbling around in the dark but it doesn't seem like what they're doing is trying to find a light switch um they're just kind of trying to go about things as normally as they possibly can without understanding that normal doesn't necessarily apply to these situations and it's more about morals and morale than normalcy you know yeah it's just about them making as much money as possible and them not having to fork over some of the money that they will lose uh, from next season, because basically how uh, it is understood is that uh, there is a clause in the contract that says uh, that's signed with the TV deal. Um, so in this case with Rogers, skate in 56 games that is on li- on national TV, then uh, we will take some of the revenue out of next year's contract to subsidize the revenue lost from this year. But at what point does it? I know what the answer is, but it's like you're putting money over these players' future. So, yep. If I'm if I'm like Quinn Hughes or Elias Pettersson, who's about to sign a mega deal, what motivation do I have to go out there? Like, if I'm gonna risk my career uh, in a contract year where I'm supposed where I could get anywhere like eight million dollars uh, a year contract, what type of a s- incentive is there for me to go out there and destroy my body and maybe not be able to play next year or have or maybe not be able to catch in on the next contract because I'm not physically uh, healthy enough to make an impact. And it, and because I didn't take the proper rest later on in my career, I can't uh, play for as long or I, I can't uh, play at the same level. Yeah, it's just, I think, I think what we're all looking at is that it's just frustrating to watch from a fan's perspective. You know, you'll have the people who will say, oh, it's not that big of a deal, whatever you'll never turn those fans on to the seriousness of what's going on but it's but like the potential consequences outweigh the uh potential gains by extreme amounts and now i know that the canucks are they're trying to sell um those cutouts now for the first time this year to try to make back some money uh it's just it it's a bad look that you're selling that you're trying to make money um, by forcing these players to play, and then having the, and then trying to make more money by having them have cutouts at, uh, have your, you know, your own cutout at the game, it's just, it, it's a bad look. I don't think the Canucks are going to be playing on Friday or Saturday, honestly, with all of this news about um, the Canucks having this meeting and what JT Miller said. And I made the joke earlier on uh, social media that. Uh, JT Miller was going to be fined for inappropriate action or inappropriate comments made against the league because that's just the type of league that we're in where they don't seem to care too much about uh, the players' opinions, the player, how the players feel, or really if they're healthy enough to uh, compete in the in an actual game or not. Thank you once again to Arctic for joining us here on episode four of the podcast. Once again, you can find us online on Twitter at third line pod if there's any topics any debates that you want to hear us talk about whl nhl or just in the world of hockey let us know on social media don't forget to rate us and tell us how we're doing 
For Liz, Jess, and Chris, I'm Adam. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you next week.